Hey everyone, I'm Yasmin Nori and you're listening to the Behind Her Empire podcast. I'm on a mission to showcase successful self-made women who share honest stories and lessons of what it really takes to create the life you want and build your own empire. If you've been listening to the show, you know, just like you, I've been on my own personal journey to build my empire. I've recently started a new business called Bia that helps women tackle their period problems and hormonal imbalances using a natural whole foods approach. If you're suffering from bad cramps, irregular periods, fatigue, bloating, stay tuned because a little bit later in the podcast, I'll share a bit more about my company, Bia. But for now, let's jump into today's episode. I want to welcome this week's guest, Katerina Schneider, to our show today. Katerina is the founder and CEO of Ritual, a personal health brand bringing a new level of transparency to the health and wellness industry. While pregnant and in search of a prenatal she could trust, Katerina took matters into her own hands and pioneered a new standard of high-quality multivitamins and supplements that are backed by science and made traceable, openly sharing the science and sourcing. Now, as one of the most trusted brands in the category and one of the few supplement companies to be a certified B Corporation, Ritual has had more than a million customers and has the top-selling online prenatal multivitamin. In this week's episode, we dive deep into Katerina's family's immigration journey, arriving in the U.S. with only $50 and a suitcase, and how it influenced her views on success and money. We explore her transition from finance to a completely different career path and the role that relationships had in her journey. Katerina also also shares her experiences of rebuilding confidence, trusting her instincts, and embracing the risks of entrepreneurship, even while pregnant with her first daughter. We also touch on the significant pivots Ritual made from their product to branding and marketing very early on, as well as the biggest challenges she faced. Katarina also talks about how she incorporates wellness into her life as a mother of three and business owner, highlighting why it's so important for all of us to be a little selfish when it comes to self-care. Lastly, we end on who shouldn't and who should be starting a business and important points to consider when jumping into entrepreneurship and so much more. Welcome to the show, Katerina. I'm so excited to be here and chat with you. Yeah, I know we've been talking already so much before we started recording, so I already know this is going to be a good one and you've just been a huge inspiration on my own entrepreneurship journey and just showing so many women what's possible in business, what's possible in life. So this is going to be a great one and I'm excited to jump in into it. Let's do it. So let's actually start with your early childhood, right? Your family's origin story is pretty incredible. And I'm just curious, you know, what was it like for you to move here at, I believe, the age of five and landing to the US? What What are your earliest memories of that time? Very few memories, but a lot of information from my family about how it was. I mean, almost every day they tell me stories of of what it was like to immigrate here in 1989, actually, and we were refugees. I was born in Ukraine. We were part of this group called Refuseniks. We were not allowed to leave the country, Soviet Union, even though my family was mistreated, couldn't get jobs, couldn't get into Mm. universities. And then finally, in 1989, we moved to Brooklyn. We first moved to Austria, Italy, and then Brooklyn. And we moved there with $50 and a suitcase and lived in a welfare hotel, which is pretty wild. And then my dad eventually became an entrepreneur and my mom worked on Wall Street and she barely spoke English but knew 
that she was so fascinated by that space. She ended up going to business school, dragging me along as a little kid, which I hated. Yeah. <laughs> I hated going to, to school in the early days because I, I didn't speak the language yet. I had to kind of learn a whole new culture. And it was really transformative to me of how I think about the world. Mm. And I think that that really kind of immigrant hustle and drive, mm. it's so real. You know, it's so interesting because you mentioned there isn't a lot that you remember, but still I'm sure there's so much in your subconscious and obviously with the stories they share with you and what you're seeing as a kid that it's incredible to see this immigrant hustle, not only in your parents, but how you are now taking it as the second generation. And I'm curious, you know, as a young woman, how did you really look at success, right? You obviously saw your parents come from nothing and build this incredible life, but how do you think about success? It's an interesting question. One thing I always think about is how little attached I am to the financial side of success, how little monetary values drive me, even though obviously I'm here building a business, a ritual is now a nine-figure business and growing rapidly. It became so obvious to me that the purpose of life or success was so much less monetary as I saw my parents obviously come from nothing to the American dream, but I saw the ups and downs. I saw mm. the entrepreneurial life really early on where I'm like, oh, we're comfortable. No, we're not. We're comfortable. Yeah. No, we're not. And I, and I already saw it firsthand and never got attached to that. Obviously, it's incredible to be comfortable, but that I knew from early on that that's not what was going to drive happiness for me. That's a pretty fundamental thing to think about so early on, because I think starting a business with the only motivation to build wealth and make money, of course, that's important, right? We're not saying that's not important. But if that's your only or number one motivation, you'll just it'll be done for you in a few years, <laughs> right? And I look at women like you who are building, you know, now nine figure business, you've been doing it over the years. And it's like, what is keeping you motivated to keep going? And money is clearly not the number one thing for you, right? And we'll get into your story a little bit. But one thing I'd love to get your perspective on, you mentioned, and it's very similar to my life, you know, your father was an entrepreneur, you've saw the highs and the lows, right? Similar to me. It's interesting, because you have two camps of people, you have some people who are like, I never want to be an entrepreneur, I see the hustle, the grit mm -hmm. that it requires, and the instability that comes with it, right? Even though sometimes you can get such incredible rewards. And then you have some people that are like, I'm going to follow my parents footsteps. I love it. It's part of my DNA. But where did you fall into it? You know, obviously now you're an entrepreneur, but maybe, you know, going back to your early days, maybe early 20s, how did you think about that? So it's interesting because I actually did kind of follow my parents' footsteps and, and I went into investment banking. I studied applied math in college. And yet there was this part of me that was mm -hmm. incredibly creative. I loved art. I loved art history. I loved architecture. I loved design. I went to Brown. And part of the reason I went to Brown is that I so I could take some art classes at RISD because I <laughs> wasn't talented enough to get in. But there was this part of me that loved that, but I was kind of squashing it because you know, we we were immigrants mm -hmm. and it was very math and science was the focus of growing up and in our culture. So I was really driven, I think, in some ways by making my family happy, less making myself happy and fulfilled. And so, and it's probably hard for them to hear this right now. You know, I ended up going and studying math and then working in investment banking. I worked at Lehman Brothers, mm -hmm. frankly, because I didn't know what else to do. Yeah. I was like, this is the job that pays the most. And out of college, that was the most prestigious job at the time. And I was part of the biggest bank failure in history, which was 
pretty life-changing to be part of that. You know, a lot of us saw, you know, on TV, the people packing up their little boxes and, and, and their lives were destroyed. And I saw this really kind of tremendous story of financial success and, mm. and over leverage and how, mm-hmm. again, how to not get attached to that. Mm-hmm. But it was in a weird way that experience was kind of a blessing for me because I was never meant to be an investment banker. In fact, I was pretty bad at it. Yeah. <laughs> I was one too. Yeah. Oh, really? Yes, yes. And it's like, you know, it's you know, you're working day, but it, the hustle was, it was an incredible learning ground. Mm-hmm. 100 plus hour weeks sleeping on my boss's couch, meeting with CEOs and understanding how businesses yeah. work. It was one of the most grueling but impactful work experiences I think anyone could have at early 20s. I don't know when you were. Yeah, same. I mean, I would probably die if I did that now. I don't know how I (laughs) sustain that lifestyle. I think it's easier now is what I hear. Oh, okay. It's changed. (laughs) It's changed. I mean, it's insane. Yeah. It was transformative for me. I think I realized I was like, you know, interested in formatting the presentations or the colors of the fonts or the photos instead of focusing in in the Excel. So some of my passions started to come out around brand and creative. Eventually, I I worked at a startup and then I landed a job being the right hand for the CEO of Universal Music. And that changed my career trajectory as well. Yeah. And I want to go back to your time in investment banking, right? I can't imagine working, being in your early 20s, your first job, right? I mean, that's a big deal. And witnessing just the fall of, you know, one of the largest bank failures in the US. And I'm curious, like, what were you feeling at the time? And I believe you also mentioned, I believe in another interview that this was kind of the first time you really thought about maybe spirituality and mental health, like what was going on within you at that time? Yeah, it's interesting. I I actually think I got into spirituality. I've always been into health and wellness. And we can talk about that, but more like spirituality and learning more about myself Mm. as a human. That actually happened because of a breakup, sort of around that the time. same time. Around the same oh time, gosh. and it was it was soul crushing. I I dated someone for four years, mm-hmm. and to the point where we broke up, I could barely eat anything. I was wow. just so devastated. But I started investing in myself, and I started doing yoga every day, mm-hmm. and I actually started taking classes on spiritual psychology and trying to kind of you never really study yourself. Mm-hmm. And it was like studying what drives me, what's my purpose in life and what makes me happy. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I actually became a vegan. And that's why, you know, I've, I've been a plant-based eater ever since. And I was, this is kind of a funny story because ritual is so science-driven yeah. and so rooted in facts and knowledge. But this side of me is kind of at odds with that, I would say. I was doing yoga with um, a really famous yoga instructor who's in his 80s. And he said, the energy of the animals that you eat stay with you for the rest of your life. And I was in this- Katarina, don't tell me this. I'm the biggest meat eater. (laughs) You know, and at the time it was so profound to me and I, you know, I didn't want that. So I I gave up any animal products at that time. And, you know, our brand is vegan now. So it's little, little bits of things that kind of had an influence on me throughout the years that shaped the business and shaped myself as a a leader, as a human, as a parent, all these things. But that was an interesting one. It's interesting how a breakup, (laughs) a bank failure can also just push you in the right direction. Oh my God. And you're stuck with yourself in all the best ways, right? You don't have like a job at that time. You didn't have your boyfriend Mm -hmm. at the time. And if anything, all this self-reflection and awareness, I feel like is so critical to being a successful entrepreneur, which I'm sure only benefits you as you started Ritual and did all that. And then also, I just want to underscore one point that you said, you know, you mentioned growing up, you never had this attachment 
attachment to money. But when you work at Lehman Brothers, and I'm also reflecting on my experience, you know, we're getting paid six figures, we're very young, and you realize like people aren't happy and you quickly understand, at least for me, this was my turning point, like, oh, the more bonuses I get doesn't equal happiness. And mm -hmm. now it sounds so obvious, but it was mind blowing at the time. Yeah. And I didn't have a bank failure, but that was like, oh, I keep going up the ranks, but for what? My happiness isn't shifting. What gave me the confidence to leave it all and kind of start from new. And I, I joke that I'm making less money now mm -hmm. than I was in my early twenties, but it's so worth it every dollar. So it's just always interesting to see how everyone's path ultimately gets to that. And I'm just sharing that in case anyone's chasing money right now. <laughs> Maybe I'll get there. But, you know, one thing I'd love to talk about, you mentioned, you know, you left finance, you started working at different startups, but it was really your time at Universal Music Group that was so pivotal in your life. And you mentioned this was really the beginning of you building your confidence. And I want to talk about this because I feel like so many women lack confidence. And that's like, if I could help anyone build that, you know, yeah. it, it's like the biggest gift you can give to someone. So tell me more about this period in your life and really what helped you build your own confidence at the time. I would say investment banking shut down my yeah. confidence. I don't know about you, but like being a woman in investment banking at that time, no one asked for your opinion mm -hmm. on anything. If you said something in a room, it was a boys club, right? And yeah. I completely lacked confidence. And when I started working in the music industry in particular for Lucine Grange, who's the CEO of Universal Music, it was the first time someone asked me what I thought mm. about everything and that my opinion actually mattered. And I was in a room, you know, I'd be going to board meetings, all men in their, I don't know, 50s and 60s. And I'm in the corner just listening in and being given this opportunity to be part of that and also weigh in with my opinions yeah. was was pretty incredible. Like, wow, I'm I'm 20 something and my opinion here matters in this multi-billion dollar company. And and that's mm. that was huge. You know, at the same time I I helped bring Spotify to the US and did some pretty transformational work within the music industry and the media industry. And what was actually really interesting was we'd meet artists every day. And I thought that was interesting. I love music. But then when I met with founders, CEOs, very large tech companies, that's when I would like turn bright red and, you know, get really uncomfortable. And I knew that that was something that that's where my passion was. I was never, <laughs> you know, still nervous 20 something year old. Yeah. Um, but it was interesting that also kind of unlocked my passion of, hey, you know, this area of innovation, mm. this area of startups. And that's where I'm actually meant, meant to be. I actually want to, I'm sure there's this question a lot of people are listening. They're like, Katerina, how did you go from investment banking to then working at Universal Music Group. Yeah. I know you had some startups before then, but any advice do you have for someone who's looking to kind of change complete industries? Relationships. Yeah. My biggest advice for any career is just making the best of your relationships. It almost doesn't even matter what job you have. It matters who you work with, who you work for. Are these people going to vouch for you later on? Are they going to develop you? Are they going to coach you? And I think that's more important. And I think a lot of people right now think so much about what's my title? What's mm -hmm. my salary? And they think so much less about the people they work with or the people they work for. And, and I would say my big breaks in life have been the relationships that I made throughout my career. And I got my universal job because I had a close relationship with somebody at Lehman Brothers whose wife introduced me to the CEO and of Universal. And, and that's how the connection was made and many years later, right? So, yeah. and I can think of so many examples of where this has happened to me, where some connection, some relationship is an unlock later on. Mm -hmm. And I would say now as, as a CEO, 
almost every week somebody reaches out to me that maybe worked at Ritual before for a reference, for some introduction, some relationship. And I think relationships are definitely the biggest value that you have in your career. Absolutely. And I love that because I also left finance and I worked in a few different industries before I started my company, but it was all based on relationships. I literally don't think I've ever applied to a job after like my banking career. And, but also to your point, it's like fostering that over time. Right. And every time I wasn't sure what to do, I would literally cold reach out to people Mm -hmm. on LinkedIn. And this is kind of how the podcast started. I would just DM women during COVID because I was like, I don't feel inspired. I want to do something different, have these conversations for myself, ended up turning into a podcast, but you never know who's going to respond to that DM and that thoughtful email or that thoughtful LinkedIn uh, message. And six, seven months, you don't know how that person can change your life. I mean, the cold LinkedIn outreach has been, (laughs) I would say the key to my, you know, so, so far success in life. I would say, I can't tell you the number of people that I've cold LinkedIn message. Yeah. In the early days, like 90% of our team came from me just messaging them and asking people, hey, do you want to network? I want to learn more about the role that you play in this company versus like, hey, do you want a job? And some of the best hires I ever made were through just learning about people and what they do and and what makes them tick. I mean, when I was starting Ritual, I knew, and we'll get to this later on, but I knew nothing about the supplement industry. I knew more about technology, engineering, but I knew, I didn't know where the scientists were. Yeah. (laughs) Like, where do you get the scientists? I didn't know where to find them. And where do you get people that are experts in nutraceuticals? And so I remember cold messaging this guy who's who's still a close relationship today who had been an industry leader in supplements and he's like sure I I can meet up with you and I I flew to New Jersey and I met him in a strip mall and it was it was wild you know like some random person that I messaged who became kind of my in in an industry I knew nothing about and Mm -hmm. so I'm with you I think it's when you apply to jobs or even you're hiring people it's all about kind of this web of relationships and not being afraid to to just cold reach, reach out to people, but in, in a thoughtful in way. In a thoughtful way, yeah. yeah. I love that you jumped on the opportunity and met him. I did the same thing. I lied. There was this one guy before I wasn't in tech and I was like, he gave me 15 minutes. I was like, I'm going to be in San Francisco. Complete lie. We had the meeting. I booked that flight, went and saw him and it was life-changing just getting his advice on how I should think about next steps and leaving finance. But I love that. I feel like hopefully people listen because I get that question a lot of, I don't know anybody. I don't have connections. Mm -hmm. And if you can build that muscle now, it only benefits you when you start a business because you know nothing, right? Like there's so many things that you're learning. I'm sure even to this day that you're keeping you on your toes. The more you know, the less you know. know? Yeah, Yeah, I feel like that right now. I'm like, wow, I've been doing this for eight years now and I know nothing. I know know even less because I know so much now. It's, It's kind of this web of opening information up. And I think if you can find ways to get to people in an organic way, they kind of unlock so much for you. And it's really interesting. Hey everyone, it's Yasmin here. In 2020, I was struggling with some debilitating health stuff. I just got off birth control and suddenly I had acne, mood swings, breast tenderness, and really painful periods. I tried so many things, but the one thing that worked was something called seed cycling. I know you're probably thinking, seed cycling? What the heck is that? It's a natural way to support your hormones using four specific seeds throughout your cycle. The challenge is that seed cycling can be a little complicated to do and kind of time consuming. So I decided to make an organic seed cycling product that is so easy to use. We make it effortless 
effortless for anyone to get started today. It's called Bia, and it's a super easy way to add something powerful to your diet to support your hormones, regulate your cycle, and bring back balance. To learn more about Bia and join our community with thousands of incredible women all over the world, go to BiaWellness.com, and that's spelled B-E-E-Y-A Wellness.com. And check out the show notes for our promo code to get $10 off your first purchase. Thanks so much for listening, and now let's get back to today's episode. You know, you mentioned something, being in ritual for eight, nine years now, you know so much, but you also don't know so much. And I feel like entrepreneurs or really anyone successful in life, they're comfortable kind of going against a grain and not being the expert in everything. Because whenever you hit certain levels, you're like, all right, I'm the, I'm the expert, but then the next layer you know, requires you to learn, be the dumb one in the room, bring in the right experts. And I feel like a lot of women aren't comfortable sitting in that place. And that's also required when you switch careers, right? You're not that expert anymore. So I don't know if you have any advice for women listening who are looking at you and they're like, how are you comfortable not knowing because it's so hard, right? Yeah. And I think especially women, I, I've had people say, and I felt this way in the beginning. Yeah. I was like, oh, I need a co-founder to start this business that I know nothing about the industry or I need XYZ or I need an MBA. Yes. And then people go and, and do those things or they find a co-founder and Honestly, the best way to be an entrepreneur is to be an entrepreneur. It's not to wait. It's to just do it and learn. And you're going to make a million mistakes, but that's okay because yeah. that's the best way to learn. I often, you know, I mentor a lot of women throughout the years in entrepreneurship. And I do find that it's more women that are kind of making these excuses and it's time to stop. It's time to stop and just do it and know that mm -hmm. you're good enough and that you'll get the answers through the years. Mm -hmm. And I love that you said, because I thought about starting my own business for so long, I didn't know what it was. But now that I'm kind of in it very early in my career, what you said just really resonates. You learn so much but just by doing like I wish I can go back to my younger self and be like, just start something anything, yeah. it could even be a side yeah. hustle, like you're learning so much as you go that it's incredible. But I love that because we all wait for that right time to kind of make that leap. And sometimes it's like, just do it. And you'll learn as you go and having the confidence to know that you can figure it out, you can reach out to people is key. So let's talk about going back to your journey. You're working at Universal Group. You're saying you're meeting with startups. You've found this, I guess, path that you're passionate about. I think you want to start a business, but you don't know what it is. There's so many people listening who are in that boat. They're like, yes, and I really want to start a business. I don't know what it is. I don't know where to start. But what did that journey kind of look like for you before you kind of landed on Ritual? I always knew that I wanted to start something. I think I wanted to start something since I was like in the womb. Yeah. <laughs> if I'm being honest, even when I was little, I'd always like come up with ideas for things and, and businesses, but there was nothing in my life that I couldn't stop thinking about. Every mm. time it was something else, you know, next week it was something else and it kept switching. And, you know, I eventually I ran an investment fund with Troy Carter and I was pregnant. That was a time where I literally could not stop thinking about prenatal vitamins. And I know that's yeah. such a weird thing to, to be thinking about nonstop, but it was a moment in my life where I needed something and I couldn't find something mm. better. Mm -hmm. And I knew that I was the one that was going to solve that. And it wasn't just one day. It was several days. It was several nights. It was just kind of this mm -hmm. really deep feeling and urge that I had to do this. Whereas I think many other times there were yeah. business ideas that were fleeting or I had, you know, ideas are a dime a dozen, but mm -hmm. like actually doing it is the hard work. So for me, wanting to change the supplement industry was something that was so deeply personal 
Yep. And I had to do it. And I feel like those are the best ideas when you're solving your own problem because I agree, like I also had different ideas, but there's nothing that stuck until I went through my own hormonal issues and I was like, this needs to change. We cannot live like this. <laughs> like what? Every woman's dealing with, you know, something, but. And there's a sense of urgency too, yeah. right? Whereas sometimes there isn't. Yeah. And it's like bigger than yourself, but I love that you mentioned that because for so long, I didn't know what that feeling was. And I love that you said it sounds so silly, but like you couldn't stop thinking about it. And I'm sure you're like, what? Like every woman who's pregnant are taking these prenatals and like they don't know what they're taking. You know, I'm sure there were so many thoughts exactly. that went through your mind. And, you know, I have many questions here, but I actually was curious about this. You know, you're pregnant. I know your husband was starting a business at the same time. You found this idea that you were actually really excited about, right? You wanted to build something. Your parents and family thought you guys were crazy like if you wanted to go all in because there's so much risk right you're about to have your first kid how did you kind of maneuver all that people get worried about risk without being pregnant without having their partner being an entrepreneur also Ooh, this is like a complex this is probably a complex answer I'll say my parents I grew up with macrobiotics Ayurveda wellness and healing and everything had an alternative you know method to it and it wasn't traditional medicine and so we didn't take vitamins growing up and so the fact that I was leaving a fancy career in investing in investment banking to start a supplement so, company. Yeah. <laughs> are you like, possessed? Yeah, they're like, are you okay? Are you, you know, is it the hormones? Yeah. Like, are you, are you going to be okay? Uh, that is really weird. They didn't see it. Not now credit, but they, <laughs> they like laugh about that. Like, we really don't understand what you were doing because it was so not in line with how we we grew up, but to me it was mm. because my parents have always been label readers and the ultimate yeah. skeptics. Like my dad would literally come to my house, you know, over the years and test our water while we're out to lunch. He like will throw things out that I'm like, this is perfectly healthy, but you know, it has glyphosate in it or whatever, like that you would Back never in the day too. Yeah. Or, you know, we've always used einkorn flour instead of traditional wheat flour because <laughs> it's grown with, you know, certain methods and has higher protein and anyways and it's hasn't been changed over the years so there was always that label reading skeptic side mm -hmm. so it all made sense to me but it, it didn't make sense to them and then I would say on the relationship side it was tricky because my husband was kind of the one that was taking the risk he started several companies before mm -hmm. he was the one that was gonna try something out fail doesn't matter but one of them was gonna succeed and here I was the more stable one in the relationship, which was very helpful yeah. sometimes saying, hey, you know what? I'm going to take a risk too. We're both going to put everything on the line. We're going to continue to live in this tiny little duplex and rent out part of our house and try to make it work while I'm, you know, probably going to deliver in five months. And even the, the, the tenants might be sketchy. It's okay. And so I was taking a risk and he was okay with that. Mm -hmm. as he should be yeah <laughs> I know you have a similar situation as well and I think it was actually pretty fun and mm -hmm. remarkable to both be kind of going through the early business stages together our pillow talk wasn't quite sexy it was I like know. what term sheet did you get yes. <laughs> were the terms good yeah it wasn't a very romantic conversation but it was fun to be going through kind of similar challenges in in the early days and did you have any fears of you being pregnant bringing this human into this world for both of you right like did he have any fears did you have any fears of i don't like the word managing it but just your life kind of shifting and you being an early stage business which is very different than a later stage right and your time and everything at the time, I didn't have 
anyone to look to to say, hey, this person built a nine-figure business and they had a family while doing it. And this person was you know, pregnant or postpartum and raising money. And it's, it's okay to save your breast milk and put it in, a, in an office environment. Like there was no blueprint. I really felt, you know, eight years ago, I was alone and I was mm. going to kind of forge this path for other entrepreneurs that wanted to have a family and a career. Yeah. And I was going to show that it's possible. And in fact, it's a blessing and incredible but it was hard like I you know I was raising money when I was pregnant and I was visibly pregnant right so I was told like "Ooh, you can either start a family or a career but you can't do both mm. because we haven't seen it <laughs> oh or you know we were finalists at TechCrunch Disrupt when we started the company and I was just postpartum and I was they're basically like leaking breast milk on stage I was pumping on top of broken escalators and storage closets because there was no infrastructure at the time at some of the biggest tech conferences in the U.S. because there weren't that many women and being kind of an early millennial woman that was it was a new world and it's I think it's changed a lot which Mm -hmm. is amazing and I'm seeing you know covers of magazines and news of you know even people IPOing with families and pregnant and now and it's so awesome but at the time I had nobody to kind of like there was no one in the spotlight to look to and be like oh I I can do this and it became a personal mission for me and I know we were talking earlier I'm like do it (laughs) (laughs) sorry you can get that but I'm like so encouraging of people to to have families and careers because it's been such a rewarding thing for me Mm. and the fact that I didn't have to choose but I could thrive in both and they both fuel different parts of my soul and my brain Mm -hmm. has been really incredible. And I know we talked about this before the interview but what are ways it's helped you become you know whether it's a better entrepreneur or a better person right because people are like maybe from the outside it looks really hectic Mm -hmm. right I mean everyone on my team is a working mom and I'm so inspired by them and they're incredible and I see them and I see women like you and I'm like oh it's possible to really care about your career and have kids so what are some of the surprising elements that you're like I love it and that's why you kind of encourage other women not to be scared but what were some of those surprising things that made you, I guess, thrive as an individual once you had kids and were running your business? Having kids has made me a better leader. It's made me more empathetic. It's also made me more focused on time management and more efficient. And I think in general, women and moms are just incredible leaders because they have that experience. I mean, kids are wild. Mm, mm-hmm. <laughs> they do crazy things and you're, you are the one that's supposed to stay calm yeah. at the face of incredible unpredictability and sometimes rage. And it's a very interesting parallel That's to so running a business, but it's almost like you have this training ground every day, how to stay incredibly calm and how to use your time really effectively. I think we were talking earlier, but it's like my meetings are shorter. I mm-hmm. want to get to the point faster. But then I also deeply care about people and I care about their lives and I care about other working parents We have a lot of working parents at Ritual. We have an incredible paid parental leave policy because of the experience that I've had three times during running this company Mm -hmm. and giving birth. And so we offer five months of parental leave and then eight weeks of transitionary time. And we also offer a stipend for childcare. And I think if I hadn't had that experience, you know, maybe I would have been a little bit more rough around the edges. I think people thrive in in those kinds of environments. It helps you create a much more integrated work culture. And I think when you start a company, you, you kind of make this commitment that your life is your work and your work is your life. 
And this becomes even more of that. It's true. And especially after COVID, right? Now, I mean, entrepreneurs were living that life where your family and business is kind of the same, but now everyone's kind of experiencing that. And I want to talk about, you know, there was a time I believe it was your third daughter during COVID. A lot of things were happening that were challenging in your life outside of just running this business mm -hmm. during COVID. And you guys were growing significantly. You've been very open about you going through postpartum. And as a leader, you're dealing with so much behind the scenes. And I feel like, and you were even saying as a mom, it teaches you how to like stay calm calm and present. And sometimes it's like you're dealing with so much and you don't want to share with the employees that, you know, even I see myself do that now. Like I want to be like the calming figure. Everything's okay. And then I'll go to my husband and vet and be like, oh my God, he won't believe it. This is happening. But tell me more about that time period in your life, because I feel like there was so many unlockings as a leader that you had. I had my third during the early stages of COVID, which was traumatic in and of itself, like going to the hospital, wearing a mask. Oh there was no vaccine at the time. Mm. You know, I'd been basically living in a cave for several months and not going outdoors and you go to the hospital mm. and you're like oh my god there's so many people here and I have to give birth here this is so scary and no one's allowed to visit and so it was pretty traumatic and then we also had the murder of George Floyd and the riots it was a really kind of horrendous time I think in the world and I was dealing with postpartum depression and I'd had it before as well and, and it's something that I you know because I'd had it before like you, I kind of recognize versus being so as shocking as maybe the first time I jump right back into work because we were dealing with so much on the business front and I'd been on a call with 20 mm -hmm. people at the company and we were sharing our updates for the week and I started to cry and I was so embarrassed at the time mm. and my husband walked by and he's like oh my god like what are you doing like how do you run a company like this and honestly it was like it was such a sigh of relief that I could be yeah myself around people that I work with similar to what you said around being yourself around your husband you know why couldn't I be myself around the people that I'm around more than my husband yeah. or my family every single day and the most amazing thing was a few people messaged me and said, thank you so much mm. for doing that. I was like having a really hard time, you know, the last couple of weeks or months. And we needed that. Like mm. we needed to see that that you were also having a hard time. <laughs> I yeah. mean, no one wanted me to have a hard time, but I think people wanted to feel that I was also really like deeply human and deeply mm. connected to not just my postpartum experience, but what was going on in the world. And so that was like a pretty transformative time for me as a leader, I think going in, in investment banking and some of the industries that you and I have been part of before starting our businesses, it's like you don't show your, especially as a woman, you are like solid rock. Yeah. You don't show your emotional side because you don't want to be dinged for that. And, and in a way, it showed that being more emotional and caring deeply was almost like a, an unlock for leadership for me. Mm. And people, like you said, could see that you're human and they could see themselves in you and you know make them feel a little bit better because life was so crazy for everybody at the time. So that's, that's really beautiful. So I'm gonna go back a little bit. I know we've been kind of zigzagging everywhere because there's so much to talk about, but when I was doing prep, I actually did not know this about you and Ritual, but so much has changed from Ritual from the early, early idea that you had. It was around prenatals. So maybe can you talk about the original idea and how it really changed course over time? Yeah. So and why? As I said earlier, I started the company when I was four months pregnant and I couldn't find a prenatal that I trusted. And the prenatals out there had heavy metals, artificial colorants, and were even lacking in key nutrients that we needed during that time. And I was like, how is this possible? And why can't we do better? You know, I would, I would even see prescription prenatals with things like tuna oil, which I was 
told to avoid tuna during yeah. my pregnancy. I'm like, why should I be consuming things I'm being told to avoid during my pregnancy? This doesn't make any sense. And then when I started diving in, the science around some of the nutrients also didn't make sense. So I knew we deserved better, especially during the one of the most vulnerable stages in our lives. So that idea has been core to rituals since the beginning. But I think what, one thing people don't realize is even though we have one of the leading prenatals now in the U.S., mm -hmm. number one in certain channels, which mm -hmm. is really exciting. So proud of that. The idea didn't actually start with a prenatal vitamin. And I mean, we didn't actually launch a prenatal vitamin as our first product. There were so many twists and turns. And as I said, like the best way to be an entrepreneur Just is to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. I can tell you all the mistakes that yeah. I made. The first one was the company was called Natals. Yeah. It wasn't even called Ritual. I bought Natals.com. And I thought we were going to make prenatal chocolates. Interesting. <laughs> I didn't know that. So talk about science. That was not real science. And because I wanted it to be an easy way to deliver nutrients to women during that life stage. We made a bunch of chocolates. They turned orange. They oxidized. <laughs> like I could God. see that it was a really bad idea because everything I know now about how nutrients get into the body, like they were interacting and they were oxidizing and they weren't stable. It was just horrifying. I spent over a lot of the money that we had raised mm. initially on branding around Ritual that fell flat. It was kind of like Aesopy, high-end. It didn't make me feel anything, but it was such a good learning to know that, you know, I was, I was incredibly horrified. I just raised this money and then I spent it on branding from somebody really well-known that did not look- Very expensive, Very I'm expensive, sure. oh didn't gosh. look good. Taught me some really important lesson is that great branding that makes you feel something. And this didn't make me feel anything. And mm -hmm. so I had to start from scratch and that made me double down on the- vibrancy of yellow and how do you pull someone in with emotion even though the science is so legit you know as a company we've invested in real human clinical studies with leading universities we invested in third-party certifications like usp mm -hmm. and patents we have a patent on the delivery technology but i never wanted to push that on people i wanted to pull people in that was the power of the branding that we created i ended up buying ritual.com which was a really what a great name <laughs> You know, you mentioned you you didn't go live with the prenatals, but why did you switch the first product that you guys went live with? Yeah, it was interesting. I was I had an advisor at the time and he drew a diagram of a house and he said that every product that you launch builds the different foundation of the house and the story that you want to tell. And that really connected with me. And I knew that pregnancy was such a deeply emotional, vulnerable stage in life and that you really had to trust a brand to buy products from them. Mm -hmm. And here we were, one of the first companies to really disrupt the category. Yeah. Category has gone from 4,000 to 90,000 supplements in the last 30 years. And we disrupted it through traceability. So you can see where our ingredients come from on our site and why they're there. And so traceable sourcing and traceable science, we've set new standards, but I still need to earn that trust. To earn that trust, we actually put out our multivitamin for women 18 plus first. Mm -hmm. And it was such a good case study of what we're doing different in the category. And so now this product has, our flagship product has a peer-reviewed and published human clinical study has USP verification, which less than 1% of supplement companies have, and has a patent on the delivery technology and like all of our products, a traceable supply chain. And so we put that out, instant product market fit, I would say, which is pretty rare. And then people were saying, hey, when are you coming out with a prenatal? Mm -hmm. And we didn't launch the prenatal for a while. I'm really glad we didn't 
Yeah. Because we earned that trust and that was so key to now having one of the leading prenatals in the U.S. That's incredible. And I just love it because it just shows that, you know, people look at you, Katarina, and they're like, oh my gosh, she has it all figured out. But it's like, you don't learn unless you do, which is like the theme. And, you know, I love hearing all the pivots that you did. And, you know, it takes a lot of guts to spend money, even as simple as like spending money on the branding agency, having the the courage to be like, we're not going to go with it. And, you yeah. know, I'm curious, that kind of leads me to you following your gut, because sometimes you, and I've seen this with a lot of friends where they've outsourced, right? These branding agencies or tech companies charge so much money i'm like you guys how do you even pay that check early early on when you're not selling but to pay someone who is like the expert and be like you know what scrap it like how much of your gut was involved with that and how important has your gut been just overall building this business gut instinct has been the number one thing for building this business Anytime I've gone away from following my gut instinct, I've been wrong. Mm. Anytime I've tapped into it or figured out how to tap into it, it's never, never led me astray, whether it's hiring or branding or campaign or product. And it's just getting really clear. And I think one thing that I've also been talking about a lot recently is as the company evolves, your job as a CEO, and now we have you know, 130 plus employees is just making good decisions. Like your, your number one, you hired people that are smarter than you. And ultimately, you know, you're an approver on things. You're the decision maker most of the time on, on really big things. And you, it's your job to just make really good decisions. And the only way to make really good decisions is if your mind is clear. Yeah. And you can tap into your intuition. And so I would say 100% intuition has played a key role Mm -hmm. and sometimes that's really hard because that means wasting money (laughs) or that means killing a product when Mm. it's ready to launch and everyone's rallying around it you know it takes a lot of twists and turns yeah and that was something I've been doing this podcast now for three years and I've been hearing this theme from like day one and I never understood what it meant like follow your gut and if anything like I've been trying to build that connection and now I understand and I'm still beginning to like build that connection to my gut and I'm taking this another way but before the interview I know we were both talking about obviously we're both in wellness we take it seriously we both were saying how we don't drink anymore because we feel good and one element of me being clear and having my emotions be more stable is taking care of myself. So I'm curious, like how much of you, you know, obviously I know you're a mom of three, you're running this business, but how much of wellness has allowed you to tap into your gut and really allow you to think clearly about things? I would say that having a business and a family leaves you almost no room for error when it comes to finding the time or the space to take care of yourself. Mm. And if you're taking care of yourself, then you're making better decisions. You're being a better leader. You're being a better parent. And so because the margin of error is almost non-existent, you have to be ruthlessly prioritizing your time and your space for yourself. Mm. And that means building rituals. We like, you know, the brand name is ritual. So how do you elevate a routine to a habit, to a ritual, which is something you look forward to doing every single day. And that's something that I've doubled down on. And I've done it in a few ways. The first is working out every day, no matter what. Same time? About the same time. I mean, it depends on the kids' crazy schedules over the summer, but pretty much the same time. I just... If anything, it's an hour like dedicated to myself. I love working out too. And I was talking to my yoga teacher about this is that, you know, he said, I think you like my class because you like being led. You're leading people all day long. Oh my God, yes. And I'm just like leading you through this practice. Yes. And I'm like, you're right. I think that's what I like about it. Yes. <laughs> but it was a big, it was a big unlock for what me. What class are you doing? I'm just curious. I do a lot of things. Like different things. I do a lot of different things. I do 
Pilates, yoga, strength training. I, yeah. I do a combination of different things. And I also kind of follow fitness that's right for where I am in my cycle. And I don't try to push myself. And so I'm really kind of in tune with that. But it, again, it's it grounds me. Every mm. day I have that hour to myself and I, it helps me be a better leader, a better yeah. parent. And I I've always seen, I've even started like helping other teammates. They're like, I don't have time to work out during the day. I don't know how you do. I'm like, let me look at your schedule. (laughs) Let me like figure out how you can get this in, you know? Um, And obviously it's tricky, but, and then there's amazing apps too out there that it's, you know, when I was postpartum, I was doing like 10 minute workouts on an app and they were incredible. So I think that that for me is, is number one. And then drinking, you know, it's like, again, no room for error. When you drink you don't feel great the next day I'm already (laughs) you know tired not tired but I'm already like at capacity at capacity yeah Yeah. so why would I put something in my body that's gonna you know lessen my efficacy of performance Mm -hmm. the next day and then I would say like the third unlock for me has been going back to the basics and doing them incredibly well which is a weird thing to say when you're in wellness and the way the wellness industry has changed over the years where now it's more is more and you try all these different herbs and experiment on your body but yeah ritual is founded on the basics and doing the basics really really mm. well which was like filling nutrient gaps yes <laughs> sounds kind of silly but it's like well most of us are deficient in the same things but how do you find the best ingredients there and and do that but then how do you improve your sleep hygiene mm. how do you get more movement how do you drink more water like why are we so focused on these experimental things when we need we are not really good at doing the basics really well and so for me it's like am I doing the basics well am I drinking enough water am I moving enough am I filling my nutrient gaps and and that's kind of been a focus for me and I think not drinking is is part of that just feeling great yeah I love that you're feeling great Yeah, I mean, I, yes. And what I want for people is because I love what you said, like going back to the basics, this has been game changing for my life. And I love that. Like sleep for me was huge. I don't, I didn't sleep for so long in my life, eating three meals a day, getting sun movement. I just walk. I'm not, I need to get, I need to work on my movement, but staying hydrated, like it sounds so basic. It can be game changing. And if you're taking inventory of your life, so many of us, and listen, there's some days I, I'm not good, right? You just have busy days. We're all not perfect. But I just wish that for everyone to feel good and just go back to the basics. Like even with our product, sometimes I'll chat with people and they'll ask questions. I'm like, listen, don't even buy my product. Just sleep. Like first focus on sleep because that impacts hormones or like, are you stressed in your life? Let's like figure out how to help you there. But I love that you said that. Yeah. Cause it's like, it's game changing and it's free. Like a lot of this stuff is sleep is free, you know, and finding your hygiene. So I feel like we could talk about this for hours, but I I mean, I I definitely want to make money, but I would rather people be healthier. I would rather people take care of their basic foundational health than, than buy anything from us exactly and because when you feel so good like now that we're both on the other side it's like I just want to gift that to everybody and yeah. then once you feel good you're like oh my god for so many years I felt like shit and the day you don't feel good and you have a little bit of wine you're like it's not worth it it's not worth it's it it's not worth it yeah but no I love that it's hard at first you know going into social situations yeah. where you have I think the hardest thing about also not drinking for me was especially during COVID and our lives are so again like intertwined life and work for me I needed a, a switch over from work to, to my kids or to the mm-hmm. home life but you're, you're at home and so alcohol I think 
was that for me and, and so many people that I talk to yeah. where they're, you know, I need that glass of wine and be like, oh, I'm done with work. Yeah. And it's like finding what, what else that is and how do you kind of reset given that our lives are so ingrained for mm-hmm. everyone right now. That's true. That's true. And it's like starting small with the little things. We could probably be very overwhelming for people, even us talking about this, like get sleep, eat well, hydrate. But it's like even the smallest ritual of like, maybe if you're having three glasses of wine a week, try one a week, see how you feel or try a mocktail, like figuring out what works for you, I think is so key. But I love that you said that. And so Katerina, I know we could talk for so long, but I'd love to end on one last question. You know, there's so many women listening to this podcast who are wondering if they should start a company or not. And I'm curious, as someone who has built this incredible business, who do you think should start a company and who do you think shouldn't start a company? I think everyone should start a company. Is that the wrong answer? No, no, let's go. (laughs) No, I think everyone should start a company, especially women there is such a need for female entrepreneurship and businesses that are started by women right now more than ever. When I was starting Ritual, people were telling me that women's health or pregnancy was like a niche. What is this? I still hear that, Katarina. It <laughs> oh, drives me, happening? it boils my blood. I'm like, what are you talking about? Sorry, I interrupted yeah, you. I just no, makes me it boils my blood too. And I think we have an overabundance of male investors, especially on the later stage growth growth equity side. I think the VC industry is changing a lot. And so you think about it, a lot of businesses are started from a personal need, especially the best businesses. I would say that it's very easy to identify as an MBA or whatever, as this really smart person, the market need for a business. But it's another thing to be creating a business out of a personal need the way that so many founders do. And I think if you have more women starting businesses out of a personal need, then we're unlocking so many things that are actually necessary, like women's health, Mm. like menopause, like better support around menstruation, gut health, all these things that are so key to our health. One crazy thing is that most clinical studies are not run on women. And so there's just so much that's left to do. And and not every business that people need to start is in the women's health space. That's just an example. Women are such incredible leaders they're empathetic, they're strong, and they're so detail-oriented. And, and I think we need more of them in the workforce. And and I think the last couple of years has made that harder. And so I would say everyone should start a business. I think, should everyone wait to start a business? Perhaps. Mm. I think everyone should wait to start a business until the idea is something that they can't live without. It's something that's going to make them tick for years to come because business is really hard. There's so many ups and downs <laughs> every single day, every minute of the day. Sometimes you feel like bashing your head against the wall, you know, but the idea has to be so strong that you can live through that because it is so hard. And so I would say wait until you have an idea that is you're so personally connected and and, and is transformative for you. But don't wait because you have an excuse to hire a co-founder or someone, you know, that you can't do the business without or some other excuse. And and so I really encourage all women to start businesses and have a family that they want. I'm an example of that. I've I've been pregnant and I've had three babies since starting Ritual and, and I don't regret it one bit. I love it. Oh my gosh. Katarina, this was such an inspiring episode. Thank you for being here. And that was amazing. You're awesome. Thank you so much. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Behind Her Empire. If you enjoyed this conversation, it would mean the world to me if you would consider leaving a review or even sharing this episode with someone who might be inspired to create their own empire. 
To stay updated on new episodes or join our private community, visit BehindHerEmpire.com to sign up. We send inspiring and short emails every week to your inbox. I'll see you next week. And until then, remember, you're always in charge of your own destiny and it's never too late to start your own empire.